Felicia Hubbard, Jen Beaumont and Simon Learmont. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today here at the Measuring National Wellbeing, What Matters to You debate. Can we begin with you, uh, Felicia, just saying why wellbeing is important to us as individuals now and important to the politicians too? It's important to us as well-beings because the scientific evidence makes it absolutely clear that high levels of well-being are associated with learning effectively, being productive and creative, having good health and good physiological function, uh, pro-social activity rather than antisocial, and also quality relationships. So we know from the science that all of these things are important. Therefore, well-being is important for individuals. It's also important for society. And that is something that you have personally championed. Are you surprised about how quickly it has, if you like, been mainstreamed, or has it been mainstreamed into social policy now? Um, it hasn't yet been mainstreamed. Um, the first step is that, that um, it's going to be measured, and that's a very fine thing, because until you measure it, you're certainly not going to be able to see how it relates to other things. So I think it's a wonderful first step. And certainly I think there's the intention on the part of government to use wellbeing um, information to inform policy decisions. And Jen, if we go to you, how do we measure it? You said there were questions that, that were asked and, and you know, surveys that have been conducted. What's going on in terms of measurement itself? Well, we measure both subjective wellbeing and objective ma- um, indicators which may be related to wellbeing. Um, in particular, the Office of National Statistics has put four questions onto the Integrated Household Survey, which means that 200,000 people will have answered that question by March 2012. The questions are about um, how you feel today or tomorrow and how you feel about what you do. So we're getting to the heart of well-being for an individual. And and in terms of those questions, how reliable are they? Do we know that, that you can compare and contrast individual uh, answers. You talked about those miserable minorities a lot. Um, I think we know that these are stable because they've been used in other surveys. Very similar questions have. Um, so, for example, the Gallup Wellbeing Index, the European Social Survey, and um, the Eurobarometer use similar questions. So we know that, as an average, they do give a stable result. Um, we will be very interested to find out what happens when you have an exceedingly large, large sample so you can drill down to those people who say they're not feeling that their well-being is good. And then, Simon, if we go to you, in terms of the business agenda and the MBA students, then surely it is relevant well-being because, one, people are workers and they're going to want to have more time off and employers who give them more time off are going to attract the best talent. And, and two... It's also going to be part of the consumer experience in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think one of the um, interesting things is business schools for a long time have focused just on uh, delivering functional and technical skills, um, which aim to make organisations more effective in a particular way. They, they um, help them uh, become more productive, they help them uh, deliver better profits, um, and eventually they help boost share prices. But the question here is, is that enough? Uh, we spend so much of our time in organisations. Um, 
ought we also to be thinking about um, you know, how people are actually uh, working on a, on a daily basis? Are we doing things which actually harm people's well-being? Are we thinking about um, things that maybe affect negatively communities? It's very, very important that we take these things into account, I think. And if we now turn to you, Felicia, you've championed this debate. You're passionate uh, about this debate. Tell us a little bit about the differences between well-being in, say, the UK and France. Can we sort of measure national temperaments in that way? Well, I think the the, the national differences are actually very important because it's all very... it's it's very important to look at differences within a country as as Jen from Office for National Statistics was saying we need to look at who is um, functioning well within a country who isn't and try and understand that but equally we do need to place our country in the context of other countries and yes we've, um, we've been doing some work with the European Social Survey which does look at a whole range of measures of well-being and finds that if you take the headline measure, if you aggregate these different measures, there are some very clear trends that are consistent with other um, data that's been shown from other surveys. So Nordic countries always come out on top, Eastern European countries always at the bottom, UK somewhere in the middle. But the important thing is, if you actually delve a bit deeper and you look at the individual components of well-being, or some of them that we've identified, the, the national debate will identify others, I, I hope, But if you look at some of these individual ones, then you can see really important differences. So although France does worse than the UK overall on well-being, always does on any measure, they are fantastically high on engagement. They are really engaged in their work, in their leisure. But why they do badly is because they are the worst in Europe in terms of optimism and confidence. It's different in the UK. We are terrible at engagement. We're not engaged in what we're doing. We have very little energy and vitality. So there's something about apathy that needs to be addressed. But, but, but maybe these are just sort of national characteristics to do with our climate. We always say we mustn't grumble and people are too clever by half, the French or something. But, but you know, can you compare and contrast between nations in this way or, or shouldn't you just let people be? Why, why delve into this area now? Well, you're quite right. There certainly are um, cultural differences, national differences um, that have an effect. But if the effect of that is that people are not functioning at their best, if they're not developing their full potential, then it is worth looking at it and looking at ways in which they can be encouraged to develop that potential. And, and Jen, in terms of your sort of integrated household survey, I mean, how do you compare geographical differences people living in a city might feel very differently to people living in in the country just within one nation state for instance well we will certainly be looking at inequalities and we are hoping to look at local authority level perhaps only high levels and also at um, different groups of people to see who are more or less feeling that they have high levels of well-being Um, And I think that's one of the major advantages, that we may be able to identify those people whose well-being could be improved considerably. And do you think, Simon, in the future for MBA students, they might come and have modules not on economics or GDP, but lectures on well-being? Isn't that going soft? Well, no, I think already actually in programmes like the Executive MBA, they do. We don't just focus on these functional technical things. What we we hope to, uh, to achieve with a lot of our students is 
is a, um, an, a, a, we, we hope to create an environment where they're thinking about the impact of their behaviour on others. We're h- helping them to think about um, effective teams, you know, how they actually, the social relationships that they create within organisations. All these things seem to me to be absolutely critical. The problem is, for too long, I think they've been justified purely on the basis of um, uh, helping organisations become more productive or more profitable or whatever I, I've, I really do think that you know the debate with this new with these new survey questions is shifting and I think that's the important thing what it's what it's doing is it's recognizing that these things are, are important in their own right you know how people function well-being of, of, of in, individuals the well-being of society in its in their own right are important things and, and you said well-being is good for the bottom line just explain that well, I think there's a lot of evidence, for example, that shows, uh, for example, people who have a, a, a strong sense of autonomy in their work are highly motivated and, and, and are more productive. That's great. I mean, I think, you know, there is a business case there to be made. But is that enough? That's my question. I mean, I, I, I think we ought to appreciate well-being in its own right. And, and you said, Jen, that we're, the surveys are asking us, you know, how satisfied we are with our lives, how happy, how anxious what things are worthwhile and that we all say that we come out at about 7.3 you know is, is there a sort of merging towards the center on these issues i think that's a, a clear issue is that the average for the uk often doesn't tell you much about individuals in the uk which is why i was talking earlier about in inequalities and inequities because the the two things are really important um that we we do need to know um, one, what the drivers of these are, I mean, uh, and two, how it partitions across the UK, the residents of the UK, and, and whether it's um, miserable in Manchester or uh, happy in Harwich or whatever, sorry, I'm being alliterative now, um, or whether it's, um, you know, a miserable mother or a happy mother or whatever. It, it's just... Um, that we don't have the wherewithal to do that in, at the moment. And, and Felicia, you were saying we need the input of people to tell us what makes them happy and maybe vitality, the quality of, of their relationships. So again, going over to these, these soft outcomes, these soft factors, rather than the pound in your pocket, rather than GDP and economics. Yeah, because I think people have a really good idea of what makes their life feel worthwhile and how well life is going. And I think we do need to to talk to people about what that does mean for them. It's a new science. The experts don't yet agree on what the components of well-being are. And therefore, it's a terrific time to have this national debate and get the input from the lay public. And, and do you think, just finally to all of you, that we are at a turning point in how we view how politicians create happiness for us that you know it's been since post-war economics gdp growth 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 might people just say we'll have a extra day's holiday or or you know um we're going to help you get on better with your colleagues we're going to to mentor you on your relationships at home is something changing i hope something's changing but it's not about government making it better for us it's, it's about us understanding more about the drivers of well-being and government creating the conditions whereby well-being can be increased. Is something changing, Jen? 
It feels like it from my from working in in the Office for National Statistics because I don't think we've ever moved quite so fast <laughs> to make changes in statistics. Um, and I think it's um, as I said, I think during the earlier debate, if you t- say what I'm, is what I'm doing worthwhile, I'll say yes, ten out of ten, absolutely. I think everybody feels that. And people want to be engaged in what they're doing, yeah, don't want, they? But it's wonderful to come out here and say, please, come and tell me what you want, <laughs> what you think's important. OK, Simon, so it's not just about our wages, it's about us being engaged in the activities, having colleagues we trust, the whole, if you like, gamut of personal relationships. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's no coincidence, really, that this debate is um, kind of finding life right around the world. I mean, the People's Congress, I think, a couple of weeks ago in China, focused on, you know, whether GDP ought to be the one measure that they uh, that, that they use. There's there's a piece in the Economist about Happy Guangdong, I think. Um, Stiglitz in in France, you know, Eurostat is looking at these things. The OECD has run big conferences on these things. It it really is no no coincidence, I think, that that both developed and developing economies are, 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 are taking the measures of societal progress um, very, very, very seriously. And I, I think it's not enough now just to focus on GDP. Final last word from this year? No, I think Simon put that beautifully. Um, there's definitely recognition that GDP isn't enough, that how people experience their lives is really what matters. GDP is a means to an end, and the end is well-being. Felicia Hubbard, Jen Beaumont and Simon Learmont. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series tonight here at the Measuring National Wellbeing What Matters to You debate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. <laughs>